This is episode number 18 with Dr. Deborah Payne. Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of She Runs the Show. I've got a wonderful guest for you today, Dr. Deborah Payne. Dr. Deborah Payne is the co-author of the book Sedona Solutions. And when I say solutions, it's as in soul, S-O-U-L. And so she and Dr. Linda Brown have written this amazing book called Sedona Solutions, Five Steps to Feel Better After Loss. And we talk about a lot of things in today's episode. Actually, this is part one with Dr. Deb Payne. And then the next episode will be part two with Dr. Linda Brown. But in today's episode with Dr. Deb, we talk about how to find your joy after going through some pretty tough situations, whether it's a divorce or it's an illness or it's the loss of a child, a relationship. How do you regain that sense of joy in your everyday life? And and so Dr. Deb gives us a lot of examples and a lot of ways to do that because what I find that we miss a lot is that sense of daily joy, is creating our own happiness. And so Dr. Deb is with us today to talk about how we can actually connect to that inner abundance and feel better after any kind of loss and just reclaim the joy that is naturally ours to have. All right, so let's get right into this episode with Dr. Deborah Payne. Welcome everyone to She Runs the Show. I have an amazing guest for today's podcast episode. I've got Dr. Deborah Payne with me and she and Dr. Linda Brown have an amazing program and a book that they're calling Sedona Solutions, Connecting to Your Inner Abundance. Deb, are you there? I am. Hi. Hi. Welcome, Deb, to the show. How has it been? Great. Great. Thanks for having me here. Very good. Well, I have to tell you how I came upon Sedona Solutions. So we're friends on Facebook and I was um, scrolling Facebook and checking as I always do. And I came across one of your videos and your video was about how to reclaim the joy that we had as children. Like how as adults do we get the joy back? How do we move through painful situations and happily move on. And I loved when you talked about what it felt like as a kid to have fun and to have joy. And would you just talk to me a little bit about how Sedona Solutions came about? Sedona Solutions came about through a completely synchronistic event, I think. I I met Linda at a conference where there were a lot of people and we just clicked and we started talking. Uh, you hear me kind of laugh a little. I hardly ever talk to people, especially when I'm in a group of people. It's just, it ain't happening. You know, I, I'm an introvert. So the fact that I would just talk to Linda, I would, but not only talk to her, but just instantly hit it off and just be laughing was just great. And I had been thinking about starting a business at the time, been tinkering with it. And, and we just started talking about that and we, I don't know. We, we decided to write a book right then and there. Absolutely. And talk to me about the, the process of writing the book. How did that happen? How long did it take? What was the journey like with the book? 
Well, it took us a while to get started. It's not like we just started the next day. I think we didn't start for another six months or so, but we finally uh, we got together and just set up a little schedule early, early in the morning. We would meet every Monday, and our our founding principle uh, is to have fun. We really just enjoy talking to each other and writing and our idea was just to have fun and if we weren't having fun it wasn't going to happen that was the tone that we set from the get-go absolutely and you know there are lots of phases when you're dealing with the idea of starting your own business especially for women when there are competing priorities and there are all these things happening and sometimes not great things sometimes loss happens while you're working on a business um if if a woman entrepreneur is listening and she's going, I have so much going on in my life right now, like my life is so crazy, and even doing my business, which was originally fun, doesn't feel like fun anymore. I don't have any joy in my life. What would you say to her, having having written the book and gone on this journey? I would say stop right there. Just stop everything and take a breath and figure out why you started in the first place. Most of us start these things because they are something that are genuinely going to make us happy. But if it isn't, and if you started for the wrong reason, it's not that you have to throw everything out, but you may need to switch gears slightly and find something that is enjoyable. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you're not having fun, then it's it's a sign that something should shift. And so what do you say to the the woman entrepreneur who goes, uh, you know, I have five kids. I'm about to go through a really painful divorce. Fun is not even an option at this point. What do you say to her? Well, I would ask her if she wanted it to be. Chances are she would say yes. And then I I would, you know, I mean, maybe maybe sometimes people just need to suffer. And that's legitimate, you know, especially if you're going through a divorce and a lot of difficult stuff. You have to honor that of course but then if you once you're ready to start letting things go there are many many things you can do in our book Sedona Solutions 5 steps to feel better after loss we take people through a lot of those steps on how to let go how to redefine your life how to let go of your stories mm-hmm. it's like that. but one thing i would suggest right off the bat is just to get in tune with those simple things that made you happy as a kid, I, I don't know. I mean, think really, really basic stuff and go there. Go there. With me, I am I am a kindergartner, and I'll probably always stay there. I, When I'm stressed, I always have things like, um, you know, just simple things that I do, you know, um, I might doodle with a colored marker, just anything, you know, yeah. just ground yourself in the now. Yes. Yes. And, and, and so, and grounding yourself in the now, how does, how does fear change that? Cause you know, a lot of, a lot of us deal with the idea of we know where we are isn't where we want to be, right? So we get when we're stuck. But the fear of going to the unknown oftentimes keeps, women in stuck places. And so how do you get grounded in the now and pursue that joy and and that sense of wonder that maybe you had as a kid when you're afraid of what's on the other side of that? Well, it's not like you're going to not feel fear. I think fear is 
inevitable because you are doing something that's scary. Yeah. But I think it helps to just focus moment by moment. And also, if you can find a proximal role model, somebody like you, just who's out there doing things like that, yeah. then it then it helps a lot because you go, oh, okay, this person is a human being and she's doing it and she also has responsibilities. I can too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when, when you think about the book, what is the, I mean, let's say a woman entrepreneur is saying, I so need that book because I need to find my joy. I need to get my joy back. What mm-hmm. is the one thing that you point to in the book that any woman can begin with to rediscover her joy? To rediscover her joy, well, I'm big on changing stories. So aside from the things that I've said, you know, tune into the simple things, you know, get out those crayons, uh, take a walk outside, breathe the air, those those type of basic, basic, basic things. Another thing that she could do is look at the stories that she's telling herself. Take a step back and... Or maybe even just get out a piece of paper and write her I am stories out. I am and then fill in the blank mm-hmm. and see what kind of story she's telling herself and then start to shift that to something that serves her better. Exactly. The I am. Ooh, that's powerful. I am. Because we do tell a lot of I am stories and we don't even know that we're telling them. I know for years I wasn't aware of my stories and then I did an interesting exercise in this book as a matter of fact I wrote out a little bullet pointed story of my life Mm -hmm. and all of my I am's and discovered that I had repeating patterns uh, of events you know that happened in, in my life that were not advantageous and a lot of it was tied to the stories that I would tell myself about how I was and what I thought I deserved. Mm. Now, talk to me about that, because that's huge. When, you know, a lot of us can recognize our patterns, but how did you in your own life, how did you stop repeating the patterns? It was difficult. I had to sit and realize what I was doing, and it actually took, for me, I relate to writing, very strongly to writing. So for me, it was very helpful to do this. What I did, you know, among many different things, but here's one thing I did is I wrote my story uh, upon uh, a mentor's suggestion. I wrote my sad story, Mm -hmm. things that were, oh, poor me, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. And I wrote the sad story out on paper. Mm -hmm. And then I took that exact same story And I wrote how I benefited from all that Mm. because with every, with everything that we do that's, that feels like, oh my gosh, this is the most horrible thing in the world. There is also a corresponding benefit. So I wrote my amazing story and I realized that my life has been pretty darned amazing and awesome and full of luck and, and adventure. Absolutely. So, so you started by writing sort of the victim story and then you wrote the hero story or the amazing story and that helped you to shift in your life. Okay. And then, so did you, after that, after you wrote those stories and you did that exercise, did you wake up the next day and just realize, start consciously choosing the hero side of the story? I mean, how did that happen over time after you did that exercise? Yeah, you bring up a good point. It's not like you wake up the next day and you've changed completely. 
you know, I, I can easily to this day fall into a victim story or something like that. But the, I think what changes is that you realize, oh, hey, wait a minute. This is victim talk. Mm. How can I change this? And, you know, I have everything from, from mantras to, to friends who are very, very supportive and not one bit negative. So those types of things keep me up. Um, when I'm, I'm feeling like I'm falling into that victim status again. So it's, if you practice enough, you gradually get better and better and better and you'll bounce back more quickly. Absolutely. And you, you know, you mentioned something about having supportive friends. Do you find that when you were spending time in your life in the victim story, were you surrounded by other people in their victim stories? And did you have to change like, who your support, supporting role of characters were in your life. Yes. Mm. The cast characters changed almost completely. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 we could spend like two episodes on that just by itself. Yeah, that's, that one's, yeah, rich with, uh, with, with great experiences actually. But I, I think as women, we tend to not want to do that. We surround ourselves sometimes with frenemies mm-hmm. and, people who are not necessarily supportive. But it is critical that you watch your environment if you want to change how you're seeing the world. You know, that doesn't mean throw everyone away, but just be very, very careful about what you're hearing and what you're telling yourself, mainly. And how did you make that shift in your inner circle? I mean, I think as entrepreneurs, we talk about the fact that your inner circle is so important to your success. Surrounding yourself with people who are either going where you're going or already there, mentors, you know, colleagues, all that kind of thing. And I think it begins with your personal inner circle. So how did you change your inner circle? What was that process like for you? You know, at the time, I think I didn't even know that I was doing it. I just started to, well, I I had one or two, I was lucky to have one or two really good supportive friends from childhood. And what, what triggered my major change was a divorce that was just devastating to me. And so I knew something had to change and I started from there. But as I, as I went on and decided the things that I wanted to do and started focusing on what was really authentically me, the, the circle came naturally because I met a lot of like-minded people. Absolutely. And so if there's a, a woman entrepreneur out there who's listening and who's thinking, you know, she knows she's surrounded by some pretty negative people, um, but she also knows that she's not necessarily being authentically her at the moment. What's your advice to her about shifting to a more authentic position? Well, it, it requires some reflection. If you, if you really want to make a shift, it's good that you just listen to yourself because you're the one who has the answers. So just start by pausing, really. Mm. And then what does that woman do with the answers that she receives, especially if they're not going to be popular with her family or with her spouse or partner or with her friends? What does she do then? Well, if it's truly a desire, I, I don't think that, you know, if she what, if she walks in that direction and does the things that she really wants to do, eventually things do fall into place. I think that family members realize, oh, hey, this is really important. Yeah. Okay. 
And it tends to work out. I think often we, we visualize a worst-case scenario that never arrives. Absolutely. Well, it would. Yeah. yeah. But, but most of the time, most of the things we fear never happens. You know, we sort of catastrophize, and then we've already lived something we didn't have to live, Right. 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 And I, I, I truly do believe that if you're true to yourself and you're you're pursuing a passion that is just something that you really want to do, people will honor that. As an as a matter of fact, if you're doing that, you then give them permission to do the same. Absolutely. And so for you, has Sedona Solutions, has this been a passion for you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it's absolutely a passion. I I don't know where it will go. We're offering workshops and doing all sorts of things, and we're working on our second book. And um, and yes, to answer your question, it is absolutely a passion. It has made us so happy. I can say that of Linda because I mean we just sit and laugh. We write we write the book and have these great conversations and. I mean, who wouldn't want that? It's wonderful. <laughs> That's amazing. And so, for I mean, but also, it sounds like with doing workshops, there is a whole other side to Sedona Solutions other than writing the book. So a lot of women, women entrepreneurs struggle with this idea of they want to do a workshop, they want to do an online program, they want to write books. How do you how do you harmonize all of those priorities within your business? Um, I, I think you just need to focus on one or two things at a time. I, I certainly know overwhelm. I remember when I first started this process a few years ago, you know, I've, I've had some stops and starts, you know, with different projects. And, and I finally decided, hey, you know, I'll do this now and then I'll do that then. And I'm going to do what is true to me. And what's true to me right now is writing. I feel very, very comfortable writing. And I'm also a really good teacher. And so is Linda. So the workshops are a no-brainer for us. It's just something that we love to do. Absolutely. So you take what your strengths are and what your callings are. And then you decide what are the one to two goals or priorities in the business and you focus on those. Yes, and don't be afraid to ask for help. Be careful, however, because a lot, <laughs> a lot of people are out there. I'll just say, hey, I can help you, you know. Exactly. So, and yeah, it'll just be a $1,998. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you have to be careful about that, you know. So, but you can get help. And I have met some amazing people along the way who just have been unbelievably helpful. Absolutely. And do you think that in in meeting them, did you ask for help? Were you open to help? Did that just come organically? Because I know one of the things that we deal with as women entrepreneurs is wanting to do everything ourselves, like wanting to control things and do things. And so how was that process of being supported and getting support for you? Did it just happen? No, I don't. I don't ask for help. I had to learn. Yes. I had to learn for to ask for help, and I still have to. Every once in a while, remind myself, "Hey, it's okay. Exactly. You go when you ask." Exactly. And the worst thing anybody can say is no, and that's okay. Yes, absolutely. You have to learn to hear no, and you will hear no. Absolutely. But it's really okay. And here's another thing: if you don't allow people to help, you're denying them. Mm. 
you know, giving and receiving is a, is a, is a mutual thing. And I, I think women too often err on the side of too much giving and then they want to appear, you know, completely indestructible. And that's just not true. Exactly. Exactly. And do you, do you cover that in your workshops? Tell me about the workshops. So what are the workshops about and who are they for? I am so excited about these workshops. <laughs> we we haven't done them yet. They're they're coming up, so you'll have to stay tuned. But they're for anybody who who wants to better their lives. They're mainly for women is our main audience, and probably uh, anywhere from forty on up would be my guess at the demographic. But we'll see. We're starting out in Sedona, Arizona, which is where the book. Um, originated and, and we're going towards live events beautiful and so will these workshops be uh, one day two day weekend events i think we're going to start with just a one day very good just a one day event in sedona and we're searching for a location right now oh beautiful and so um what what do you see as the vision for that one day workshop i mean what are women going to come in and do and what will they leave out with I think that they're going to come in, you know, feeling some pain and feeling like, okay, you know, I've tried nine dozen other things. Let's try this. And they might even be a little skeptical, but we'll take them through some of our stuff, some of the exercises in our book, mainly if um, now Linda will have something to say about this as well, obviously, but I think she would agree. There will be some story releasing going on. Beautiful. Beautiful. People will walk away feeling charged. I think they'll feel energized. I think they'll be ready to just do great stuff. Let's see. And the story releasing is so important because a lot of women know that they are telling the same story and they're seeing the same patterns unfold in their lives, their careers, their relationships, but they don't know how to release the story. It's hard, yeah. it's, especially if you're on your own, because, well, I know myself, I know that I needed people to point things out to me. Exactly. So, but I, I think there are ways that you can step out of your story, um, whether it's writing, talking to other people, um, things like that, that can get you started in that process. And when you start to let go of things, you create room for other things. Obviously, you, you create, you let go of that negative stuff, and all of a sudden, all this positive energy surges in, and that's what's really the charge that people walk away with when they do this kind of work. Absolutely. And so if, if there are women entrepreneurs who are listening to this, and they have the story that says, um, you know, everything is so hard for me. Building this business is going to be hard. Making a lot of money in this business is going to be hard. Leaving my day job is going to be hard. What is your advice to them about letting go of that story? Well, first of all, I would say watch your language. Yes. Because if you have the mantra that it's going to be hard, then you'll find hard stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, <really? laughs> Exactly. I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I, that's, I've done that in my whole life. I, I'll just make mountains out of molehills every time if you, if you don't watch me. Right. Fortunately, I, uh, people do watch me. <laughs> like, Deb, oh my gosh, stop it. Exactly. Stop it. <laughs> I would say really watch your language, watch what you're telling yourself, and, and, and get out there and just take one step at a time. 
and and have fun with it. You started this for a reason, so have fun with it. And, you know, part of it, too, is, you know, Hafiz said, the words you speak become the house you live in. I guess mm-hmm. we have to decide how we're constructing that house and, and what we're filling it with and, you know, what's the front door and what are the windows. And we can make this an experience that's an adventure. It doesn't have to be a problem or an obstacle. Absolutely. That's a hard one to remember. It's it's almost counterintuitive to what we learned, I guess, is what the definition of success was. You know, mm-hmm. be, I, I don't know about you, but I I grew up thinking that, you know, I, I would just work really, really, really hard and then exactly. be successful. And it's just not that way. You have to have some highs and lows and, and, and you're going to fail. And if you're going to fail, who said that? If you're going to fail, fail gloriously. Exactly. Just get out there and mess up. <laughs> I, you know, I always say that when I have, um, when I get an unexpected life punch, I have a 24 hour rule. I give myself 24 hours to cry and then I get up and I throw in those 24 hours the biggest, baddest pity party you have ever seen. And I love it and I indulge in it. And it gives me a way to get all of that out. And then I wake up the next day and I go, okay, what's next? That is awesome. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, you know, and you have to, I think it's exactly what you're saying. You have to see this as an adventure and find the joy in it. And just take the next step. Yeah. And decide what it means, you know, because we get to choose. We don't get to choose the experience, but we get to choose the meaning. Yes. And therein lies a lot of your happiness, because whatever you however you're interpreting what happens to you is how you're going to feel about it. I love that you do the pity party thing. Yes. Uh, thank you for reminding me. My grandma was a master at that. <laughs> she's, I still remember her. She's long since gone, but yeah. I still remember her pity parties. And, and it was about a day long, and that's all. That's brilliant. It, it is. And it, when you when you put that time limit, you really give yourself the opportunity to go full out, uh-huh. and enjoy it, and then wake oh, up the yeah. next day and do the next thing, you know, like do what needs to be done. Uh-huh. And that speaks to a lot of things. That speaks to resilience and, and honoring your feelings. I mean, we're, we're not saying deny reality. We're just saying, okay, experience that, and then let's get up and move on. Exactly. Now, talk to me about this next book that you're working on. So if somebody, well, the first thing is, if somebody hasn't read Sedona Solutions, where can they get it? Amazon.com would be the place to go. Perfect. Perfect. And talk to me about the next book. What, what's the next book about? <laughs> the next book is more about stripping away your limiting beliefs. Ooh. And it's tentatively titled Get Naked. Strip, how to strip away your limiting beliefs. That's Linda's idea. And, and I love it. And <laughs> that's power. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's, it was the right idea. I like the get naked idea. It's, you know, let's get, let's get rid of those limiting beliefs and let's let's get on with it because you know what i believe um is that people are so amazing there's so much greatness to be had and if you can just strip away those limiting beliefs man you start to do amazing things and and that's and that's powerful now tell me how do you i mean so limiting beliefs can encompass so many different things as far as as where you're taking the book is it a matter of stripping all of the limiting beliefs is it doing it one layer at a time is it covering the ones that are most affecting your life what's your take on how do you 
deal with limiting beliefs and transform them? Well, I think sometimes you're not even aware of what they are. So we would again go back to maybe a little story work. And I would say, yeah, strip them off a little bit at a time. Otherwise, it can be pretty horrible. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, my whole life is a mess. I don't even know where to start. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not advocating going out there, you know, (laughs) bare naked immediately. But let's just get rid of a few. Exactly. Let's let's take off the watch and then, you know, a sock. And there you go. And take care of it that way. Now, when you, so at this point, you and Linda, you're writing amazing books. You're going to begin doing workshops. Where do you see, what's what's the next level business-wise for the both of you? Oh, gosh, the sky's the limit. Yeah. I even have T-shirts designed in my mind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, think, I think we can do webinars. I, I'm really a fan of the live event lately uh, because I think there's a real need for you know community out there but of course webinars of course I also offer coaching service I I am I'm a certified coach through the International Coaching Federation and I've been coaching for years now and I coach people as well so there's that and uh, gosh who knows yeah, it's just it's open. And now, do you do you have a specialty within coaching? So when you work one on one with individuals, is there a specialization? What things do you like to coach around? I I really like to work with people I've decided who feel lost because I felt really very lost a lot in my life. Whenever you go through a major transition like a divorce or a, a, a death of a spouse or a spouse or something like that, it, it's a Oh gosh, such a such a feeling of oh my goodness, what is happening to my life? Exactly. Or if you want to change careers, anything transition that sounds big um, around middle age is, is where I really find most of my clients. Absolutely, and you know, so talk to me from that perspective because it's really interesting. When you are in your twenties, you see life a certain way, right? And then you get in your thirties and your forties and your fifties. Mm-hmm. When you think about your 20-year-old self or your 30-year-old self, what are the lessons or the things you wish you knew then that you know now? I wish I would have believed in myself more. I wish I would have known that there is this joyful little person inside who doesn't need to be upset about every little thing that happens mm-hmm. and and who doesn't need to care. One of the greatest things about getting a little bit older is that you just lose your ability to really ruminate over what other people think. At least <laughs> in other words, yeah, I don't care what you think. <laughs> and hopefully that doesn't take people till middle age like it did me. You know, I'm 50 and I'm still super young. Thank you. Exactly. Remember. That's yeah, right. But, yeah. But I, I would hope for that 20 year old that, that she would have learned that a long time ago. Absolutely. And so so for the young ones out there, just gosh, I, I don't know. I, I learn a lot from young people. And I think I, I meet a lot of them who who have done that already. And I just think that's wonderful. Absolutely, because the consciousness is different now, so mm-hmm. that younger people have a sense of their greatness earlier. Yes, yeah, yes. and I love it. It's 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 amazing. But the thing that I that I notice still is that for women, especially, I'm not going to say for men, but for women especially, somehow 
we are still raising our daughters to be nice, um, to be pretty, and to find some way to be useful in a way that boys don't seem to feel the need to be, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. And I don't know where we're still doing that, but that's something that we've got to stop. Oh, I know. Yeah. And if you talk to Linda, you'll find out that she's not a big fan of being nice and pretty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We just want to get out there and be our authentic selves. Yeah, yeah we're going to be nice naturally. That's right. You know, but my goodness, yeah. life is not a, a, a beauty pageant. Exactly. Let's just go out there and live it and be happy That's right. and work together. That's right. And and let it be messy when it's messy. Uh-huh. And let it be what it is and own it. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a big piece. Now, talk to me a little bit about, you know, we hear this. I'm not a fan of the idea of work-life family balance. I think it's a crock, and I don't think there's any such thing as balance. But how, over time, have you learned to manage competing priorities with family and work and wanting to follow your passions and dreams? How do you keep harmony among all those things? I just take it one step at a time, and I've I've had to outline every well, you know, with family, family's first. Yeah. I'm sorry, there's first to me anyway. I, and and you're right, the balance thing is just a lie. I mean, I don't think anybody ever really arrives at this perfect harmonious balance. Mm-hmm. There are going to be these times when you're just crazy with work, I, I, you know, or or that you just put it aside for a few days and enjoy your family. I don't know, but. What what I found is just to just to kind of roll with it, and also if you're doing work that you love, it it isn't work exactly. <laughs> it's it's more like play than it is work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there there are work parts of it, of course, but gosh, the work I'm doing with Linda has not felt like work ever. That's right, and maybe for women entrepreneurs, that's one thing that becomes so important about getting the joy back. Your business, there may be work parts to it, but overall, it should feel like play and there should be joy in it if you're living on purpose and doing the things that, you know, your heart is leading you to do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it should feel that way. And do you find that, um, talk to me a little bit about your, your demographics. So you said 40 plus. What mm-hmm. are, are women in their 40s and, and beyond? What are they struggling with? What are you finding that they're having the, the toughest time with? Just uh, some of it is the the story of who we think we need to become. Mm. You know, the the feeling that or the fear, perhaps, that we might become invisible and irrelevant, and mm. oh, who knows, any number of those stereotypes that you're all aware of, and just wanting wanting things to be meaningful. Absolutely. And and maybe even changing what the meaning looks like. I remember years ago I worked with, um, I was an IT project manager, and I was working with a woman who must have been in her late 40s. And I remember she said to me something. And at the time, maybe I was 30. And mm-hmm. she said to me, um, she said, I'm starting to become invisible. She's like, I never really thought about what that was going to mean when I was no longer like the young, pretty one in the office and I, I'm starting to become invisible. And I didn't understand that. I didn't get what that meant. But for women who are in their 40s or their 50s and they're starting to go through a, a phase of life where they feel like they're no longer that 20-something, they're no longer that 30-something, what advice do you give to them? 
<laughs> Enjoy it. <laughs> Invisibility rocks. <laughs> I'm telling you, I mean, I can speak my mind like never before. And I found out that I wasn't all that invisible anyway. And so it was awesome. And just, you could just enjoy it because you're stepping out of a lot of roles that, that, that were a little bit, I don't know, now they no, no longer fit you. And you just go for it. Embrace it. One of my mentors is 78 years old. I just had coffee with her this morning. I love that woman. She's a little hard to find because she's so busy. Wow. So I just think that every stage of your life can be phenomenal, regardless of conditions around you, regardless. Exactly. Oh, that's beautiful. Now, what do you say to the women? And this is the other thing that I'm hearing from a lot of women in their 50s specifically. I'm hearing that a uh, career is hard when you're in your 50s, like applying for jobs, changing careers, trying to get hired in your 50s. I mean, I see it all over LinkedIn. Whenever I go into a professional women's group, 50 plus women saying this is, you know, they won't hire me because of my age. Da, 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 da. What do you say to those women who are telling that story? Well, you know, I, I again, I whenever there's a story, there's a grain of truth. Age discrimination does exist. But the worst thing you can do is is talk about how hard things are. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, acknowledge it. Yeah. Spend a minute acknowledging it and then start focusing on the solution to the problem rather than the problem itself. Because if you focus on the problem, the problem will be embellished and developed and defined and ruminated upon. But what good have you done? None. None. Yeah. And then what did you say, just like having coffee or having tea, meeting up with your 78-year-old mentor, don't you think it's important to find women who will mentor you who have been where you are and who are older so that you know, you kind of, you see the best of what's coming? Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, I've, I've been lucky that way. And I, I just think there are mentors everywhere. I, I, I think if you remain open, um, well, when the, te- when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Remain open and you will run into people who are lovely and who will help you. And yes, you face certain issues as you get older, but you also have other advantages. So it all balances out. And this is a time when you can really define yourself and just have a whole lot of fun exactly exactly so now if if people want to find out more about Sedona solutions and they want to hear more about the upcoming workshop and when you start doing webinars how can they stay connected with you well they can go to Sedona solutions.com and that is just exactly like it sounds with s-o-u-l in the middle (laughs) Sedona solutions.com they can find us on Facebook as well and just uh, join us there. Beautiful. Well, I, I'd have to say this sounds like a lot of fun, these workshops in Sedona. I've never been to Sedona, but I heard it's beautiful. So I'm sure when you have the workshops up and going, they're going to be a time where women can connect and grow and change and release the story. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And we won't stick with just Sedona. We're starting there, but we've got this this kind of strange Sedona, Arizona, Ogden, Utah connection. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Park City is gorgeous. That's all I have yeah. To say. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Who knows? That's right. That's right. India would be cool, too. I so. know. Wow. I don't know. Exactly. The sky's the limit, really. And that's, I think that's a really great takeaway for, for all women sky's the limit and the moment you remove the limit then you're open to everything that can come into your world exactly i would add one more thing to that though detach from the outcome yes yes definitely put your efforts in there and 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 your passion and your emotion and work work hard and have fun but then detach because you never know i think usually the outcome is a lot better than you expected <laughs> okay, that's, that's what i was about to ask you because i can hear women already especially you know type a perfectionist overachievers going how in the world do you put all that work in and you detach from the outcome so can you offer a few steps that women can use to sort of what does it mean like we hear that all the time detach from the outcome but what does that actually in terms of Thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. What does that detach from the outcome look like? It's a tricky, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I'm one of those days. I would be in the audience raising my hand going, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, don't quit saying that. Tell me how. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've just had to learn, and it's just a lot of taking deep breaths and realizing that, you know, I don't have to have all the answers. Yes. I just have to keep asking the questions and, and just take a step back and, and, and relax and, and watch. And then once it happens, if you detach a little bit, even a little bit, I'm not saying completely, you know, achieve enlightenment and detach or what, whatever, but just kind of take a step back. Then you'll have an experience sooner or later that where you think, wow, that turned out awesome. And I, who knew that this would happen? And that's when you start to gather evidence that, yeah, this whole detaching thing has got, there's something to it. Absolutely. And really, it's, it's not so much, um, letting go of the goal or the dream as it is letting go of the way it has to come to you and the way it has to look when it does. Well said. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And it is, it does require a little bit of, uh, maybe some meditation. <laughs> You know, relaxing, take a hike in the mountains, do yes. whatever it takes, but just, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not, and I think what's important is that I, I always tell people that I, I manage, I, I resign as manager of the universe at least one time a week. Oh, at least once a week, I pick it up and then I go, oh, that's, that's not my role. Let me resign. So it's not something that is a one and done kind of a thing. No. You will find yourself constantly like taking on, like, I want it to be this way and then getting frustrated or out of desperation or just exhaustion because it's just too much to be uh -huh. so attached to outcome. Letting it go because that feels lighter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Again, well said. If it feels lighter, then you're on the right track. Yes. And so, you know, I wanted to just say that I, I love what you and Linda are doing. I think that women need this. Women entrepreneurs need to know that in any moment they can feel joy, they can tap into joy, they can connect to that inner abundance. And it doesn't matter what they've lost or what they're going through. They have the ability to connect with joy themselves. 
Absolutely. In an instant. That's what it is. In an instant. And so as we wrap up, can you give me just two or three things, just not exercises or actions that women can take in any moment to just connect in that moment to joy? Two or three, two or three things to connect to joy. You know, Caroline Miller calls them jolts of joy. We call them. I don't know if you've read Caroline Miller. No, no. I don't know. Um, Linda and I call them uh, sips of joy tonic. Just whatever a jolt of joy or a sip of joy tonic is just whatever the whatever those things are to you that are joyful. And my things might be different. I'll, I'll share mine. Yeah, just share yours. I have a little list, and they're free and they're instant. Okay, I have this beautiful cat named Olive, and she is just. The most, she's just the greatest cat on the planet. And if I just play with her for a second, you know, yeah. just throw her little mouse across the living room floor, I'm happy. That's a jolt of joy to me. Yes. Or if I just take a deep breath, even if I just stare out at the blue sky, that's another jolt of joy. Or if I really get into it, I can take a walk. You know, instead of checking Facebook and comparing my life with everybody else's, <laughs> which is you know, which, who knows how real those lives are. But anyway, oh, that's yeah, episode. I know, yeah. <laughs> let's just compare the worst of my life to the best of yours. Exactly. You know, yeah. So instead of doing that, I, I, I'm going to take a walk. Yes. And just get out in nature. Yes, just take a walk. Well, even if you're in the middle of the city, you just get out and you just move your body, take a take a little walk and and realize that, you know, there's some perspective to be had. That's right. That's right. Beautiful. Well, those are all things we can do. They don't cost money. They're absolutely free. Finding what makes us feel joyful, connecting to as children, what made us feel joyful, and then doing those things. I want to, Deb, thank you for, for coming on the show. I look forward to part two with Linda and okay. seeing how we talk about not being nice and not being <laughs> ladies <laughs> about life. You know? I think you'll have a blast talking to Linda. She's great. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for having me. Was, this was really fun. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Definitely, Deb. And again, guys, Sedona Solutions, Five Steps to Feel Better After Loss. Visit Dr. Deb and Dr. Linda's site, Sedona Solutions, that's S-O-U-L, Solutions, Solutions as in soul, dot com. All right, we will talk in another episode. Okay, great, thanks. thanks. Wasn't that a fantastic episode? Well, if you liked what Dr. Deb had to say, you're certainly going to want to tune into the next episode with Dr. Linda Brown, who co-authored the book with Dr. Deb. The second episode is even better, and it's amazing because it's totally a different kind of episode. So stay tuned for part B, where we talk about how to reclaim your joy by connecting to your inner abundance. And just so you know, if you are dealing with fear, because I am a fear to feel expert. If you're dealing with fear, fear that's keeping you stuck in your business, fear of not being good enough to be the expert that you want to be in your business, fears about how are you going to learn everything it takes to start a business, or maybe you're in your business and you've just got fears around playing big, like you know, going out into the world and saying, yes, I'm an entrepreneur, and yes, this is my business and it's going to be successful. Whatever the fear is around starting and or building your business, 
it is something that you've got to learn how to transform into leverage. You know, fear can be a brake that keeps you stuck, but it can also be an engine that propels you forward. And so I've created a five-week online course called Lose Your Fear, Build Your Business. And it's an amazing course geared for entrepreneurs who know that they could play bigger in their business, who know that what they're sharing with the world is important and vital and it needs to be out there. And you know what? It's for the entrepreneur who's tired of allowing fear to run the show. So if you're looking for a five-week online course that's going to help you turn your fear into massive daily action, that's right, whole mind in present action, massive daily action, then you're going to want to check out Lose Your Fear, Build Your Business. Just go to loseyourfearbuildyourbusiness.com and you can check out the entire course, the program. There are videos and audio previews that give you an overview of each and every week in the five-week course. And you know what? You can even try week one for free. So go to loseyourfearbuildyourbusiness.com and try out week one. I'm telling you, it's a game changer. All right. Stay tuned for the next episode. Dr. Linda Brown will be with us.